Welcome to Mosaic, a podcast about theology and theologizing in Singapore, Asia, and beyond. Brought to you by Singapore Bible College. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Mosaic. My name is Benita Lim, and together with Jean Loa, we'll be your host for this podcast. Hi, everyone. So today we are looking forward to our conversation with Ronald Wong, who is the National Coordinator of MICA Singapore. He's joining us to talk about the work that MICA Singapore has been doing and also share some very important insights that they have gleaned through their projects. Ronald is a man who wears many hats. (laughs) Ronald is a practicing lawyer and director at Covenant Chambers LLC. On top of his day job and involvement with MICA Singapore, he serves on the board of Operation Mobilization, OM, Mercy Teams International also. Um, He's also a caretaker of Christian arts and culture community called the Group SG. Ronald is an active member in Yochukang Chapel where he also preaches. Uh, He's now the elder in charge of Young Adults Ministry and sits on the board of Social Service Agency, Blessed Community Services. He is the author of The Justice Demand, Social Justice and the Singapore Church, and an editor of the Good News for Bruce Reed's book series, which features topics such as walking with same-sex attracted friends, mental health and the gospel community, and matters of ethnicity and nationality in the community. He and his wife, Ethel, have a son. Hi, Ronald. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi, Benita and Jean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so fun fact, uh, actually, Jean and I have known Ronald from very different settings. For myself, I got to know Ronald uh, because someone told me that he's a very important voice in talking about social justice matters in Singapore. So I invited him to a Presbyterian talk for youths. And how about you, Jean? How do you get to know Ronald? <laughs> well, we both went to Jakarta for the youngest leaders uh, gathering for Lausanne um, in 2017, is that? And besides that, we're also connected by other circles in theatre. That's Oh, wow. mm. it, it goes all the way to theatre, huh? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of layers to Ronald that we do not know of. <laughs> well, mostly through his wife. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's my wife who is the dramatic one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you dramatic in court or so? Uh, no, I try not to be, although people might think so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um, maybe we can get to know you a bit better on mm. top of your court yeah. drama and offline drama. Uh, <laughs> we want to ask you some questions about yourself first. All right. So something else that I've always been keen to find out about our guests um, is how you know you became a Christian, especially you know that our audience and people who are coming from all over the world are listening to our podcast. And you know we are a very unique setting in Singapore, and not everyone comes from a, a Christian background, but you know, if you did, could you just briefly share with us uh, you know, how you became a Christian? Or what was about it about the Christian faith that changed your life? Yeah, sure. Um, so I came from a non-Christian family and uh, I grew up um, since young, sort of exploring different things. Uh, but the long and short is that at some point in my life, I was uh, pretty messed up, addicted uh, to various carnal things and chasing all sorts of uh, things that, don't satisfy. And um, at some point also, I was uh, having this uh, philosophical existential crisis and uh, being skeptical of everything. At the same time, I was uh, sort of still looking into the Bible and, and Christianity. And essentially, at some point, there was a, a, 
sort of a time where I was uh, engaging a few, a few people. In fact, some colleagues had an internship that was I was at in a law firm, and uh, they were engaging with me and trying to you know address some of my questions and concerns. And at the end of the internship, they gave me a book, and they wrote this uh, uh, verse in their scriptural verse, and it was First Corinthians one. And I remember that I I went home, I opened it, I read the passage. And, you know, it says like, where's the wise man? Where's the, philosoph- where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And, and the moment I read that, I just broke down and cried. And like, somehow God just spoke to me into my uh, soul and, and really convicted me that there was no way I could make sense of truth or reality unless I first accept that truth is found in a person and, and it's in Jesus. I made that leap of faith as it were in that moment to say, okay, I, I, I believe. And, and thereafter, a lot of things happened. A lot of things made sense. And I found a lot of peace and I uh, almost instantly broke from, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, addictions or stuff that I was struggling with. Uh, not to say that, you know, after that, I never had any issues or whatever, but, but it was really um, a transformation for me. Yeah. Um, in that point of time. So, that, that was really a pivotal moment for my uh, faith journey. It's a very encouraging testimony. Thank you. And to follow up on that, since that point of time, um, how do you see your work and your personal growth as part of your Christian life, even as a lawyer and um, in all your activity in church and in the community? Yeah, thanks for that. So I think what's interesting is that I encountered Jesus in that manner uh, just before I entered university in law school. and then. Um, as I entered law school, I was obviously studying the law and reflecting on what I was reading. And I guess I was also then asking God uh, what he really thinks about justice and uh, the law and so on. I think one thing that really stood up for me is understanding God's heart uh, for justice and not just about legal justice, this broader notion of holistic biblical justice, which includes social justice as well as legal justice and, and you know, um, righteousness. And so I think since then, as a practicing lawyer, a lot of what I'm trying to do is just being faithful to that, being faithful to be a presence to people in helping people to advocate for what is right, fair and just, and not just in terms of legal rights, but also advocacy in the broader sense of society and community in terms of what is just and and righteous. I think another aspect of my vocation as as a lawyer also is really just about helping journey with people to bring peace. Uh, So obviously one key aspect of the scriptures and our mandate as Christians is to be peacemakers. Uh, We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. That's what scriptures say God is doing, right? Reconciling all things to himself in Christ. And I guess one thing, how I see myself um, doing that in my vocation is really um, trying to be a peacemaker, a reconciler. And even if there can't be reconciliation, it's also about helping uh, people, clients, or even other professionals, other people that I work with, stakeholders in the legal system to bring about positive peace. And of course, that also applies to, you know, as, as a colleague and as, a, as, a, as an employer, as a manager, uh, as well, that, that's regardless of my role as a lawyer, per se. Yeah, so, so these are some of the 
ways I see um, myself living out Christian faith. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for that. I think it sounds like not just in your profession, but in, in your own personal life, right? Looking at the number of things you're also doing in the public sphere in your church with regards to the topic of justice and as a mission of God, right? I think just one question before I ask you more about Micah Singapore, which is what was it about justice that has, you know, made you so passionate? Because I don't know anyone like in our generation, we are about the same age, right? Who is so so fervent about this topic. Yeah. So what, what is it about justice that, that is you know driving you? Was there something that happened or how do you come to to focus on this aspect? Okay. Uh yeah, it's an interesting question. I think there are two ways to answer that. I think one is that perhaps one could consider that if I were to reflect on my own personal life journey. Um, certainly there have been instances in my past where uh, I experienced some form of injustice, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, you know, being bullied in some way. But at the same time also, of course, seeing other people being mistreated or conversely, seeing acts of mercy and kindness. Um, and I think these things have left some form of uh, impression in my, my consciousness um, I think the second is that after I became a Christian, uh, my first and foremost concern was obviously not justice because that was something I stumbled on, um, but really about what God's heart really is, what his main concern is. And when I started looking into this topic of justice, it really surprised me that um, hey, this seems to be the very uh, central concern of God throughout the scriptures. And I don't mean just justice, but really about this whole thing of what I mentioned earlier about peacemaking and reconciliation. And if that's God's main concern, right? Bringing peace and making re and, and reconciling all things to himself. Uh, the context of that is that there was supposed to be justice, but human history shown that you know, humanity has fallen and there's so much injustice and unrighteousness. Uh, and then that necessitated, uh, or at least rather, that God then in his plan um, sent Jesus Christ, you know, to be our justice. So so this, this central theme is something that really uh, struck me and captivated me. But I think the other thing that uh, struck me then is how at that point in time when I came upon this, it seemed to me like that was not, the Christianity that was being talked about in my circles, at least uh, in Singapore, as far as I know. And that was strange to me because, you know, I'm told that the gospel is essentially that God loves me and I believe in Jesus and, you know, he paid for my sins and then, you know, we'll be reconciled to him and have a loving relationship, with him, which, which is true, uh, but not quite complete and accurately reflecting what I feel the central themes of, you know, the, the, the scriptures uh, are. Uh, so it was quite jarring to me and I think that that's something that I've been trying to do then, you know, trying to, in a sense, highlight this blind spot and refocus what the central gospel mm. is. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. I can see that how, you know, what you're sharing is kind of chat these energies and thoughts are ch channeled into Micah Singapore as an organization, right? As um, I know on the website, it describes itself as a, an organic community of Christians and organizations passionate about seeking shalom through justice, mercy, and integral missions. Uh, and so um, who are the people in this community? And can you just briefly share how it came about? Yeah. Um, 
I think there were two main points in time that we can trace Micah Singapore to. One was in 2012, and um, I was trying to make sense of yeah this this whole thing of justice. And by then, I had already got to know some people, like-minded folks, uh, and also stumbled on various organizations, uh, Christian ministries, Christian individuals who were uh, also doing justice work, uh, mercy ministry in the, in their own way and form. And I guess together with these like-minded friends, we came together, we talked, we wanted to get a conversation going and connect with other like-minded people, wanted to then also feature um, some of these ministries, organizations and people that we had come to know in a way to to support them, in a way to yeah, raise awareness about these ministries and also to really then help the wider church yeah, gain consciousness of uh, biblical justice and mercy ministry and what later we understand it to be an uh, integral mission. And then um, the second point in time is sometime later, yeah, another key moment is where there were, again, some like-minded folks who were gathered at this um, Micah Global uh, Network event. Um, so Micah Global is, a, is the global network of organizations, ministries, individuals who are uh, plugged into to, to this. And, and the main sort of focus of Micah Global is, is integral mission. And uh, so some of uh, the Singaporeans uh, who attended, we got together, we talked, we had lots of meals together. And uh, yeah, essentially from all these conversations and meals, um, Micah Singapore has been doing stuff <laughs> like doing activities, events, and all sorts of other projects. Nice. Yeah. So it seems like it's more of like an organization that has different peoples who are from different organizations tapping into each other's resources to carry out different projects. Is that how Micah Singapore works? Yeah, um, I think you could say that. Mm. Yeah. Is yeah, it so possible it, to give us maybe a profile of the kinds of professions of people who are involved in Micah? Right. So, of course, you have lawyers like myself. We have uh, pastors, seminary lecturers, marketplace folks, and then missionaries now as well. Yeah, so I think it's, it's quite a, an interesting mix of people from very different roles and backgrounds. I guess a range also of, of church expressions as well. Yeah, so I think th there are some projects that Micah has been doing uh, with all these people that you have mentioned, these organizations. And I've also uh, had the privilege of personally being involved in a couple of, it, of these. Um, and I've purchased quite a few of uh, the books that Micah has also come up with. So could you just tell us more specifically? I mean, I could talk, talk about it, but I want it to come from you. Uh, what are some of these projects? Yeah, you know, what was one of them which you would like to talk about yeah. more in more detail? Sure, thanks. Um, so as I mentioned, we uh, previously, we, we did a lot of uh, showcase and featuring of different ministries. But that's one. The two is uh, essentially book projects. So um, you mentioned a few books that we have worked on. Was Justice Demand was something that I wrote. And then we had this Good News for Bruce Streets, uh, volumes one to three. Essentially, the book projects were meant to be, one is, of course, to gather stories uh, on these issues, social justice issues within the church that we felt uh, the Singapore church needed to hear in order to understand, empathize, and learn how to better gospel communities just communities. 
in respect of these issues. But the second aspect of that also is that you know, through the book projects, there was also community formation because you know for each topic, essentially every time we we gathered people, we gathered contributors, we had focus groups, we talked to different people, we hear their stories, their struggles. Um, that process resulted also in community formation, which was uh, valuable. Um, another thing that we have done is various conferences or whatever. I mean, I don't like to use the word conferences, but for ease of familiarity, we just use the word conferences. But essentially, uh, events like that, where we gather people, we yeah, get people to uh, confer, discuss, talk. More recently, we had a microthon. In a sense, also a, a conference of sorts, but it was more like a, a missional hackathon. And then we also... Um, have done some surveys. We have done a music project as well, poets and prophets uh, project. So essentially, songs we we got songwriters to write songs on themes of justice, mercy, and integral mission, because we believe that songs can speak to to people right in in ways that you know books or essays or even uh, preaching um, cannot. Yeah. So that's that's uh, some of the stuff that we have done. That's wonderful. Um, perhaps we would be able to hear some of the details with hackathon, some of the issues that were identified or problems that were identified that came from the ground itself. That would be interesting to hear from you. Um, yeah, so the Microton, uh, which is the missional hackathon that we did, we basically did two things. One, we first had a survey of um, potential participants or just Singapore Christians on, on integral mission and they are... Uh, views about integral mission concerns, social justice concerns in, in Singapore and the church. And uh, from that survey, then we organized the microthon, essentially identified uh, missional challenges which participants could uh, apply their minds to uh, in teams and come up with missional solutions uh, to these challenges or issues. Although we've used the word microton or hackathon, the uh, mindset is not so much of technological solutions that we were looking for, but really any form of missional solution. Yeah, so some of the challenges that were identified, which we presented to participants were homelessness, migrant workers, disability, discipleship in the marketplace, mental health, creation care, ethnicity, intergenerational relationships and cross-cultural missions and also refugees. That's a wonderful list of um, issues of concern that are actually amidst the people that you have been working with. And we're excited um, about those projects. And those who are interested may read some of these reports and results on Micah Singapore's webpage. Um, moving on perhaps to um, working with the actual people, Ronald, would you mind giving us a picture of who are the ones um, you managed to engage? Who are the ones you managed to activate to come together um, to discuss these concerns? And what do you think is their take or their passion about justice issues, especially when it comes to Singapore? Right. So I think in terms of the demographic of uh, people that we have been engaging, a lot are young people. And so that's essentially below 21 and 20, and, and then to to around 30. And that forms the bulk of our participants yeah, of our the microton. But that's for the microton specifically. And I think in a sense, necessarily, or I mean, not necessarily, but it, it's sort of self-selected because 
the uh, microton is structured in a way that attracts more young people who are more familiar with the idea of a, a hackathon, but now have a missional twist. In our previous engagements or co- conferences and events, we also had uh, about of which were young people. Nonetheless, I think in the previous ones, uh, with different formats and so on, uh, there were people who were in perhaps in more in their 40s and 50s as well. In terms of you know what they think, their concerns about justice and, and integral mission, from what we gather from the survey and so on, is that many of these uh, respondents or participants um, did not fully grasp or have a, a preconceived notion of uh, uh, this idea of integral mission. They did have, um, of course, views about societal issues that they highlighted, inequality, mental health, migrant workers, welfare, poverty, and racism. These were the top few issues that they highlighted and that they were burdened about as well. That's wonderful. It is an encouragement to find out about the concerns and the kinds of connections the young people, and of course, not just the young below 30 and those who are in their 40s and 50s who care about society, who care about the plight of others and not only themselves, and to hope to alleviate not just suffering, but to see correction of structures uh, around us. And that's, as you have mentioned, and we echo something that is an important drive in the church engagement with society. How then do you envisage or how does this uh, group or your group or MICA envisage is their role in the public? Could you use any um, analogy? Who are they speaking to? Who are they? Um, who's accountable? It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> hard to um, particularize this. Uh, mm. But I think from, in terms of broad brushes, I think the insights we have is that the the participants tend to see their role as principally in terms of direct involvement or assistance in whatever social or justice issue that they are burdened about. Uh, That's one. They seem to not have had the opportunity or perhaps have not really explored the idea of engaging on these issues in a broader level or scale at a societal or structural or systemic level. So I think a lot of the feedback also is that they did not come to understand or even be aware of these issues uh, through their churches. Rather, it's likely that they you know, got to know of these issues through their own other means. Uh, perhaps, you know, brands, social media, online, whatever they read um, or exposed to elsewhere. I guess one thing that they think or feel is then that uh, the local churches should have a greater role in this regard. And I think particularly in terms of increasing awareness of the church members on these issues, uh, discipling and even training and supporting members on uh, involvement and, and participation in ministry or community projects uh, relating to these issues. And I think also the, the notion then that somebody needs to engage at the societal structural level, but they're not really identify who should be the, the ones um, actively you know doing that i think that's that's interesting because i think my own sense is that this this goes to the concern or questions of uh, public theology uh, which i think 
from my limited understanding, I do not hear much about it, uh, whether preached or talked about or um, discussed in at the church, uh, local church levels uh, or spheres. Certainly, of course, that there are in some sectors within the, the wider Singapore church uh, talks about uh, engagement, right? Engagement with the wider society, engagement with authorities, engagement with other key stakeholders in society. But I'm not sure that there's much. Uh, firstly, theological reflection on that. And secondly, discipleship or teaching uh, on that as well. So perhaps that is the reason why, you know, participants, respondents uh, did not really have any clear response or thoughts on, on that aspect. I think that's it's very interesting. Um, you have brought up the um, awareness and how this awareness is um, being definitely spurred on by conversations that you've conducted and that you've held. So that actually is an interesting move because um, for a long time, I'll consider what has been said of Singaporeans is that we are the silent majority. <laughs> How then do you see, because you raised up the keyword social media quite a bit, would you mind analysing this phenomenon of social media in activating in starting conversations, in raising awareness, in connecting people? How do you think technology has, or social media has come to play um, in the way that churches are now being engaged and engaging with one another on these um, concerns on social media? That's a very interesting question. I think suffice to say that social media has, I would dare say, fundamentally changed um, engagement on you know a lot of these issues yeah in a very drastic way like you're not I'm in that age band where I I once lived in a time where there was no such thing as social media and then there was yeah that's right uh, mm. and then even and then of course social media came uh, and we actually saw you know the development of social mm. media uh, from its uh, nascent rudimentary phase eventually to what it is today um, yeah, and I think that really has fundamentally changed communication, distribution of uh, information, and also, I guess, disinformation or misinformation. And necessarily then in terms of engagement within the church, uh, by the church, and across different segments and demographics of the church. Essentially, whereas in the past, information, awareness of issues uh, and narrative stories um, would have been uh, presumably centralized or not widely disseminated unless you know you are already looking for the information, uh, looking for these stories, looking out for these uh, persons, or even if you know you actually know people and struggling with these issues or having uh, faced these issues, uh, you wouldn't necessarily be been able to connect the the dots at a wider scale and see beyond mere singular anecdotes, right? Uh, but essentially, social media coupled with, of course, um, you know, the internet and so on, uh, has, has allowed for a change in that regard. And I think, in a sense, a lot of what we are doing now is catch up. Because of this fundamental change, uh, I think a lot of times we are responding, we're being responsive yeah, rather than proactive and and but it, it may also be a problem of social media where social media is such that things uh go viral they they disseminate you know in in a moment 
people respond and react in a certain way emotionally, um, sometimes without significant reflection or engagement. Um, and then the next moment, something else you know comes up to capture everyone's attention on social media. Uh, and 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 of course there will be problems with that as well. Uh, but essentially, I think yeah, that like it or not, that's that's the the lay of the land today. Mm-hmm. Allow me to ask therefore one final uh, question about your work on the ground, um, and perhaps we could um, tie up with some final comments. Um, you have already mentioned that some of the challenges of um, Christian righteousness, Christian mercy, Christian justice work in Singapore particularly faces with a few challenges which include the prejudice or perhaps even mentality of church engagement with society. And secondly, um, a fundamental shift in structure of um, having a more centralized dissemination of information and progressing towards a more diffused manner of information presently. And last of all, you have talked about the benefits that social media and the internet has provided for churches and people to talk about these social issues. But at the same time, it battles with misinformation and um, reliability even. So these are formidable (laughs) challenges at the time. So we really applaud you and encourage you for your work. Um, Would you have any other challenge or um, that you'd like to highlight um, as a way of seeing how we can still further grow in our conversations? Um, Yeah, thanks for that. So I think in the light of that uh, context that we're now in, the challenge we now face, of course, also is this whole pandemic, right? Uh, Which I think has also changed a lot of things because it it has actually forced uh, people then to even more so move to engagement in non-contact, non-face-to-face contact ways, more virtual digital engagement. And I'm not sure what the negative consequences of that would be. I think we're still sort of seeing that. Of course, we're already seeing how that could play out in in church settings. Um, But also, I think at a broader scale in terms of engagement, you know, the issues that we talked about, what would that mean? Um, what would it mean also for uh, people who care about these issues, who want to engage on these issues in church, within the church, and also beyond the church? How can we best do that? Um, essentially, I think if to put it in another way, if our task is to be uh, peacemakers, to seek justice, are we able to do that best if we are primarily doing that digitally? And not to say that digital sort of uh, engagement is is bad. I'm sure, I, it is a very good uh, you know benefit that we have. But what will we lose out then if if it is primarily or even only uh, digital? And I think what we are trying to do also and think about in Micro Singapore is in the next thing that we're doing that we are trying to organize. Um, how can we address that as well? How can we uh, capture? We've been thinking a lot about this whole theme of hospitality. How can we live out bodily uh, and digitally uh, biblical hospitality in, in a way that achieves those things that we care about? Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's the thing that we, we should, as a church, continue to reflect on. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think, you know, now we use the 
the term metaverse, right? And uh, it's been coming up because they are trying to use it, saying that you are using like AR, augmented reality or VR, virtual reality stuff um, to create, to bring persons into a, a digital environment when actually I think we know with social media, with how we are so much like digital citizen, natives or citizens, so to speak, um, already as it is, uh, just by doing this podcast <laughs> via Zoom. Uh, so much of us is also taking place in, in the internet, right? So I, I think like in that sense, uh, maybe the, in, the word internet may be replaced by metaverse one day. And I think it may be a helpful uh, term to help us to think about how we are both living in a universe in that sense and in a metaverse and I think like well, you know what you're saying issues of hospitality that, that is concerned about justice right because um, we it's about persons also about their welfare their well-being these are all things that are taking place or things of concern in both the universe and the metaverse so to speak right and uh, it is encouraging to hear that you know Micah Singapore is already thinking about these and and rather than you know like what you said just playing catch up uh, we could try to think uh, more and and try to look at what's going to happen in the future um, and and then prepare ourselves for it rather than reacting mm, maybe one final question is do you see uh, you know even within church right so now we have like young people perhaps you know who are concerned about issues that they see their church not addressing. Um, and then, you know, the universe is like multiplying, <laughs> so to speak, at such an exponential rate. What would you see, you know, is causing this gap here? So the gap as in um, how young people have uh, are seeing issues on the ground that the church isn't necessarily addressing. So that, that gap between the, the young people and the church. And then I guess that reflects the church with the world also, right? And what would you encourage the church to be thinking of and doing uh, in order to, to plug the gap better? Right. Yeah, I I think, again, it goes back to this thing about the technology, social media, and so on. I think what has resulted is that not just young or old or whatever, but different segments of uh, societies are now very segregated not so much physically but in terms of where they get their sources of information and source of authority and therefore trust and i think when these things are so segregated and disparate uh, it necessarily results in the formation of in a sense very separate uh, worlds and i mean worlds in the sense of you know, imagined worlds, right? Imagined mm. uh, spaces. Like the information that is being brought to you, that you consume, that shapes you as well, right? Yeah, the information, the experiences, the relationships, the the attitudes and mindsets. Mm. In some other, you know, conversations, they're called echo chambers, right? In, in social media. Or oh, the algorithm. Um, <laughs> yeah, because of algorithms, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but I'm speaking of it more broadly. It's not just about the echo mm. chambers of your, you know, on your social media, but the... Even in even off social media, uh, the the sort of imagined realities that we we have, mm. the social circles, the the lived realities, yeah, and, and experiences as well. I think they're becoming more and more different, um, segregated. Even within you know any single sort of city, even within any single country or nation, or even a local community, yeah. And I think that that has resulted in in a lot of division. Um, and that's something I've been thinking a lot about, um, this whole thing of 
again, this whole topic of peacemaking and reconciliation, right? Um, how, how can we make peace and reconcile people uh, when people are so living in such separate uh, sort of insulated, insular bubbles, as, we, as it were? And obviously, there needs to be bridges, right? There needs to be common spaces. Um, but, you know, if people don't want to leave their comfort zones, right, uh, to go into shared spaces, common spaces, um, then it's going to be very difficult. Um, and I think it's about then thinking of how we can create more uh, such common spaces. And of course, it begins with us ourselves um, being in, in these common spaces, uh, uh, leaving our comfort zones and constantly questioning ourselves, self-reflecting on to what extent we remain in our comfort zones and, and little social uh, realities or bubbles. I think those are some of the things that I've been thinking a lot about. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, um, Ronald, for your thoughts. I think you know it really reflects the incarnational ministry of Christ Himself, right? Who did not just stay in heaven, right, and and you know shake his leg, Kelkar, and you know just look at people from afar, but he he tabernacled, he dwelt among human beings, and he reached out. Uh, he went out of his comfort zones and spaces, and I I think that's something that you know I really hear or resonate with when you share about your desire for people to to step out of their comfort zones, to walk into different spaces, right? To dialogue, to get to know and to to reach out um, and show hospitality that is good for what the other person needs and and requires. So thank you for that. Um, So maybe just to close, could I invite you to just share what is uh, next for Singapore? I think you mentioned, uh, sorry, next for Micah Singapore. I think you mentioned this um, upcoming event. So can you just tell us a little bit more about it and how can people uh, who are also interested in supporting this ministry contribute? Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, actually, it's, it's still uh, pretty vague to us right now. We're still sort of figuring it out. Uh, but yeah, I think we are trying to um, have a gathering of some sort um, soon to reflect on uh, this theme of biblical hospitality, especially for um, certain uh, people or groups and communities within the church that perhaps we have treated as invisible or not been um, welcoming or, or been, been hospitable to. So we are still still sort of exploring um, what these groups are, uh, what how we should best uh, sort of uh, get this gathering to be uh, a fruitful and hopefully embodied <laughs> in person. So those are, yeah, that, that's sort of what's in the pipeline. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ronald. It, it's been very exciting to have you on our podcast. And definitely today we've heard from you such passion and activism on the ground, helping um, many people make sense of what we are going through and what are the responses that Christians um, can work out together um, in conversation and in partnership with one another. Just from me, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Rana. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hope to see you soon in person. This has been Mosaic, a podcast by Singapore Bible College. Special thanks to Hilary Lim and Micah Singapore for giving us permission to use their music for our show. We would love to hear any feedback, suggestions, or comments that you might have, especially for future episodes. So feel free to contact us through our website at sbc.edu.sg. You can check out the website to discover more about our degree programs, events, and publications. If you've enjoyed this podcast, 
please subscribe, leave a rating, or tell a friend. Thanks for listening.